Welcome back to another episode of the Outsider Sports Baseball Podcast. Corey Jason, and as always, I am joined with Ben Mandel and John Pauline. Guys, how you doing? What's been going on with you since we last spoke? Well, Corey, you know, uh, last night you and I went to the Devils Rangers Game 6 game over at Madison Square Garden. Uh, we have some content up there uh, over on our TikToks. So make sure you check us out by searching Outsider Sports. You can see some reaction videos. We have some good hockey stuff going on over there. And we'll have some great stories, of not only from that game, but throughout the NHL playoffs on the Outsider Sports Hockey Podcast, as well as the Outsider Sports website, outsidersports.net. So make sure you go ahead and check that out. But again, this is baseball. So we've been watching a lot of baseball as well, seeing some ups and downs, perhaps, from the MLB season. Yeah, and there's been a couple uh, newsworthy events that have happened since the last week. First of all, we do need to talk about the, the league's first game down in Mexico City, the slugfest between the Giants and Padres. The Giants lost game one to the Padres, 16-11. Guys, there were 11, 11 homers and 30 hits in that game. Manny Machado hit two home runs. Nelson Cruz, Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis Jr., Xander Bogart, Brandon Crawford, Nick Sabal, David Villar, Lamont Wade Jr., Mitch Hanniger. Stop me if you guys are getting bored with all the names I'm saying. It's just a ridiculous thing. The elevation there. I've seen some tweets that say the elevation, which is over 7,000 feet, make Mile High Stadium. And again, Mile High means it's only a mile up. Makes it look like it's in the Grand Canyon. Ball's just dying. It's just insane how the balls are flying there. It got to the point where my brother and I, we wanted to make a couple of same-game parlays for the game today between the Giants and Padres and kind of make some money since we knew that there would be a lot of home runs. Parlay three, maybe four guys together. Drop 10 bucks on it, win a couple thousand. You know how it is. The sports books who normally push same-game parlays like it's nobody's business they wouldn't even let us do that. They made it temporarily unavailable because they knew how crazy it was going to be. And lo and behold, a couple of the guys that I wanted to hit in that same game parlay ended up going yard in that game. I, I got to ask you guys, do you think the sports book made the right move in shutting down the same game parlay feature for that one game? Or is that kind of BS and should they all go to jail because that's just inexcusably criminal to me? I mean, look, it's, it's, Obviously not something you're happy about, but like, what are you going to do? It's <laughs> unfortunate, but I, well, you're almost at I the mercy here, Ben. I want, I want to yeah, but, say they all should right, all go to jail Corey, and be walked out in shackles. Corey, you better be careful. You got to remember Dylan who, uh, you know, works out places like that. He, uh, you know, they'll shut your, they'll lock your account and think you're an addict. If you have a problem with their terms and conditions. So you got to be careful. You click agree to all their terms and conditions, which are that everything is subject to change at any point. So, yeah, it's unfortunate, but they trust me, they have their they have themselves covered much better than you think. I mean, I'm being more facetious when I say that it's criminal, but like I'm allowed to not be happy with the way they do it. I wasn't happy with their selection for the NFL draft either. It's kind of fallen off from the last couple of years. They want people to bet, but they don't want people to bet when they know they're going to lose. And that, to me, is a little well, fishy. 
that it, but that means go find another sports book. I, I don't know what all to tell you. In cahoots. They're all well, working then, in collusion. Well, and that's what they do. They get everyone hooked, and now they put you in positions where you can only bet when they want you to bet. That's how they make money. They're not in this to lose money. These casinos don't look as big and fantastic and amazing as they do because they give away money. I will tell you that right now. John, you're on my side, right? Come on. I'm absolutely on your side, Corey. I agree with you completely. I I think it's just some BS, honestly. I mean... You know, if you're going to do the same game parlays and stuff, you can't just pick and choose when you're going to allow them when you're not. Like, even if they're going to lose money, they got to they gotta take the L and lose the money. They can't just sit there and only allow when they're, you know, when they stand to make profit from it. You know, you can't just pick and choose. To me, that's just, it's a little shady, a little shady. I don't know about jail, but it's a little shady. I'm not sitting here saying it's okay. I want to make that clear. But Could I'm telling you either, that- Mandel. Look, but I'm telling you that it's not something new that they're doing, and it's not something that they're just going to stop doing either. This is something that they've been doing Absolutely. for a long time, and it's very clear that they're doing it. Absolutely. But it doesn't mean I have to stand here and take it without making some noise about it. I'm going to squawk and scream and make another bet tomorrow. But, you know, I need to get that 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 anger out, that feeling. You know who else needs some uh, ire? Somebody that we really need to get upset with? take it back a second the city of oakland and the a's they're not a big fan of the athletics of the a's and you know last night i saw a video and in that video there was a home run hit and you could see in one picture of it in the initial broadcast that said sell the team in signs right to the right of where the home run ball was hit and you know fans are going to voice their opinions they're going to say things that the owner of the team, and maybe even the league don't agree with. We've seen that with Dolan and the Knicks, where he won't let you into the arena if he uh, if he doesn't like you and if he's got issues with you or people you're associated with. But the A's and Major League Baseball, when they re-put out that home run, they cropped it. They cropped it so the video looked a little wonky and you couldn't see any sell the team signs. I don't know about you guys, but that's not the best way to handle things is to kind of silence, you know, the fans, especially when everybody knows it's happening. It would have been better off if they just kind of ignored it, left it there. It happened, moved past it because now by kind of Photoshopping and removing those signs and getting it out of there, they made it a non-story into a bigger story. But I do need to add after some pushback from fans online, They did re-release it, and in their archives, it is now the original video. But even that small step of censorship, to me, that's a big deal and a big issue, although they did rectify it later on. Yeah, it's a big problem because when you look at it, you think, all right, what other things is Major League Baseball censoring, and how much have they done before social media was catching it? There's also just, it's a bad look, you know, everybody knows that Oakland and the fans are unhappy and that they're doing this. Why would you try to hide it? Because you're right. It does turn this into a national story. It makes podcasts like us talk about it because now all of a sudden, what are they doing? Why are they doing it? It just doesn't make sense. I think if they were even trying to avoid it, I think like censoring it, it just brought more attention to people telling them to sell the team. 
Like if they didn't want that out there, you just leave it alone, ignore it, and it will go away. But by censoring it, now you brought all the attention to it. And honestly, this is kind of reminding me a little bit of like a with the former Washington football team, now the Washington Washington Commanders, how they were, uh, I think, taking away people's signs in the stadium, telling you know Dan Snyder to sell the team. Just not a good look. It's despicable. But what else do you expect from an ownership group that is hated by everybody in the city? And also by a commissioner who, again, as I've said many times on this podcast, is actively ruining the sport. And not by doing things that other commissioners are, like Adam Silver or Gary Bettman or even Roger Goodell. He's actually fundamentally changing the sport for the worse. So we can't be surprised. But I want to, you know, bring a little positive note here. Drew Maggi, we talked about him last week. He's the 31-year-old rookie that the Pirates brought up to make his major league debut. Well, he finally got his first hit to set the stage for him. He was brought up for a couple days while a player was on paternity leave. Player came back. He was going to get one more day before the player came back, but the game rained out. So he was sent down to the minors. Luckily for him, they decided to do a double header the next day and he was brought back up. So he stayed with the team as the 27th man. Obviously when you play a double header, you get an extra player. Typically, it's reserved for pitchers, but he was brought up as a 27th man just because I guess they wanted to get him on the roster still, get him a little extra pay as a show of support for his good service. Pirates were killing, and they were up 12-1, I believe was the score. And in the seventh inning, he got an at-bat. He ended up going two for two, got his first major league hit, a double run and an RBI, all as a pinch hitter. And that's something nobody can ever take away from him. All those years toiling down in the minors, going between team and team and team, finally coming back to the Pirates, who were the initial team that drafted him 12 years ago, he finally got it. He's a big leaguer with a big league hit, a big league extra base hit. He scored a run and knocked in a run, all in an MLB game. I couldn't be happier to see it. These are the stories that you love to see as a baseball fan because it shows all the hard work that somebody that you'll never remember his name put in. And it's just one of those fleeting moments that make baseball great. But let's go on to updating you guys on some injuries and uh, some other stuff going on with some players. Aaron judge, as I wear my morning hat has a mild right hip strain, possible IL stint. We're going to know more in the coming week. They're taking it really easy. And his injury happened on his birthday, Wednesday, the 26th. He was stealing third, slid headfirst into the bag, got out, but made one of the most horrendous, ugly slides I've seen. It looked like he he did a belly flop on a water slide. Just awful, ugly. Thought he hurt his shoulder and his wrist. Ended up being his hip. But they should have took him out that game. They left him in because he was DHing. He still ended up getting two more hits, including a double in that game. Played the next day on Thursday, left in the fourth inning with some discomfort in the field. Haven't seen him since. I'm ready to declare the season dead and gone. See you guys for 2024. But also, Luis Severino on the bright side, his right lat strain, he tossed he tossed some BP, some live BP. He could uh, start his rehab assignment soon. So you get some reinforcements on the uh, pitching staff, but none of it matters if there's no judge. One of baseball's bright young stars, Julio Rodriguez, J-Rod. He's got lower back tightness. 
they're calling him day to day, but he's on the 10 day IL. It's something to look out for because something like that could linger and cause issues longer after he comes back. Jacob deGrom, the former best pitcher in baseball history. He's got some right forearm tightness. Where have I heard this before? Oh yeah, this happened two weeks ago. He had the same issue and he missed a start. He left a start against the Yankees on Thursday with some forearm tightness after throwing three perfect innings and then giving up two hits. So I don't know if he's just soft or if he's got a real issue that nobody, including the team doctors, knows how to resolve before getting hurt again. But we're watching a Hall of Fame career crumble before our eyes. And right now, somebody who I once thought was a lock for the Hall of Fame is looking on is on the outside looking in if he can't stay healthy. Justin Verlander, current Met pitcher, he's going to make his debut versus the Tigers this week. I'm excited to see that. Seems like things are coming together now for the Mets and their rotation because they're also going to get Max Scherzer back. His suspension extended by a day because of a rainout. He'll be back on Tuesday in that same series versus the Tigers. It's going to be nice to see those two old men together anchoring down the rotation for currently the best team in New York. Bryce Harper, John, you're a Philly guy. He took BP. He's progressing well. We can see him go on a rehab assignment or knowing Harper. He's going to want to skip all that and get back in the lineup. We could see him by the end of May if things get to where we think they're going to go. Now let's get into some studs and duds. Guys, let me hear from you. Start with you, John. Who's your stud? My stud this week is Ozzy Albus. He's been he's been doing really good. He's been having a great like last seven games, great week for me in fantasy. Seven hits, three home runs, seven RBIs, batting 292. He's just been on fire. And even prior to this week, he's been he was doing good. It's just I thought it was time, you know, give him some recognition. You know, covering him as my stud. And now my my dud, Trey Turner. He's been just absolutely just not having a great season. I think he used up all the magic during the WBC. Because he only had he only has three hits, one home run, one RBI, and been a 107 the last seven games. And has just been absolutely terrible. Like, he needs to start getting it going. What about you, Ben? Who's your stud and who's your dud? So, I am going to go in a different direction with my stud this week. And it's a bit of a redemption story. And it's Jose Barrios. This is a guy who, again, in spring I talked about saying I thought he was going to have a bounce back year and be a strong part of a Blue Jays pitching staff, and he had two dreadful starts to open the season. Well, he's bounced back nicely in his next three. Uh, His last two have been quality starts. He has two wins in those three starts. The last two of them uh, against Houston, which was a loss, but then a win against the White Sox. Both of those starts, seven innings, both of them quality starts. He was able to pick up the win against the White Sox with seven innings pitched this past week, a win, four hits, one walk, and nine strikeouts. A really strong performance for Jose Barrios. He's been bouncing back very nicely and a very good start this week as well. Now, my dud, it's the entire White Sox franchise. I can't even remember when the last time they won a series was. This is a team I was talking very highly of. I really thought that this group was going to be able to come out and have a strong start this season, and they haven't. They've just been dreadful. 
They've been terrible. They need to go on a miraculous kind of run already just to get back into the playoff conversation. They're worse than the Royals right now. I know they were able to beat Tampa Bay today, but that's one win against Tampa Bay in, I believe, six games in the past week or two weeks. So not a good run for the Chicago White Sox. This team is already looking like they're out of playoff contention once again. They went and had a great farm system, called all the guys up. They've been brutal. Uh, outside of Dylan Cease, there really isn't a guy on this team that's worth keeping at this point. It feels like all of their prospects appear to be busts. Tim Anderson can't even stay healthy. Not a single guy in their lineup has a batting average that looks like it's worth being a major league player. The team looks like AAA players right now. It's a brutal, brutal team in Chicago. I thought maybe this was the year that those guys had it all click and it worked out. I was wrong. I'm saying I was wrong already as the calendar turns to May. That's how bad things have gotten in Chicago here over on the south side. Now, if you want to hear a good rant, go check out. Um, I don't know what exactly the name is called, but if you look up White Sox fan rant on Chicago uh, ESPN radio, you'll find it. It's all over Twitter and it is absolutely hilarious. It's about five minutes. I believe John Boy Media reposted it. If you want to go check it out there, it is a very, very good rant by just a heartbroken Chicago White Sox fan. And they are really going through it right now. Yeah. I want to point out that when we did our division breakdowns, I did say that the White Sox were going to be terrible, absolute trash. And uh, Corey might know ball just a little bit. I, I just didn't see anything positive from that team. I don't want to say I'm glad because there's a lot of players I like. Very disappointed in Luis Robert. Somebody I really like as a player, but he's going through a tough time. My stud, though, this week, Toronto starting pitcher Kevin Gausman. In 14 innings, He's gone 1-0, one walk. He's given up nine hits, an astounding 24 strikeouts in his two starts, averaging 12 per start, obviously, during this stretch. Just a really, really good week for the arm from north of the border. My dud, though, let's go to a team that kind of borders the border. Team in Minnesota, the starting pitcher, Kenta Maeda. Three innings, 0-1. 11 hits, 10 earned runs, two walks, two strikeouts. And to cap it all off, he decided he couldn't make it through the week without going on the 15-day IL with an elbow injury. A lot of times that's code for, get me out of here, I'm bad, let's make an excuse. And now we'll get to the part where we make excuses about why our rankings are the way they are. So let's start with you, Ben. Why do you have the Phillies on your list? You're the only person out of everybody in the Outsider Sports Network to rank the Phillies. Not that that's a bad thing, but what's the thought process behind getting the the fighting Phils in there? Yeah, so look, here's the thing with the Phillies. Now, they've had a tough start to the season, but they've really come back nicely. And yes, while the, we are recording this, they haven't necessarily taken care of the final game in Houston, but... They've won the first two already in Houston. They took two out of three at home in Seattle, and they took three out of four from Colorado at home as well. This is a team that's been taking care of business after losing two out of three in Cincinnati. And look, they've been hot. 
I think you look the maybe the hangover is over. Maybe it's just a slow start. They're going to start getting healthier. I believe that the pitching is a problem, but look, the offense, ball go boom. Uh, they're legit for a reason, and they made it to the World Series for a reason last year. The team is better than they've been playing, and they're starting to come out of it. And look, Houston may be struggling, but they are still a legitimate team. John, you have anything to, uh, to say about that since they're your fills? I, I do, actually. Maybe the Phillies, maybe they uh, might deserve to be in the top 10 this week. I think, you know, because they had a little hot streak of games here. They got hot. Their starting pitching is starting to finally do what it was supposed to do. You had Nola with a, with a, with a, like a good start. You had Wheeler with a good start the other day. They're starting to hit. And then, you know, Harper's going to be back. I just saw a thing that said Harper might even be back for the Dodgers series Tuesday, which is just unreal. And then you're going to have Suarez coming back. Like, you know, they're, they're going to be good and they're, they're on a roll right now. And look, the bottom line, you asked the short answer why I put the Phillies in. Eight and two in their last 10 games, half game out of a wild card spot in the National League behind the New York Mets. So look, this is a team that's certainly gotten themselves right into contention. It's very early in the season. Two bad weeks will not define you, and the Phillies, they've not let it define them. They had a much worse start last year, and they made it all the way to November. So not worried about the Phillies and the way they're playing. Yeah. You know what? They're a top 10 team right now. Now I know you're not worried about the Phillies from an unbiased baseball observer perspective, but as a Met fan, do they worry you? Does the NL East worry you? How are you feeling as we close April about your Metropolitans? Well, it's tough to really say how I feel after just six innings against the Braves so far, but it looked like they were outmatched. I know it was David Peterson on the mound, so not too much to worry about. But there's just not – I haven't seen anything against the Phillies or Braves yet. So it's tough to really say how I feel. I want to see how they match up head-to-head, really. That that will tell me, do the Mets have a chance in the division? Do the Mets have a chance against those two teams? The last few years, I haven't worried about Philadelphia because while, yes, they're a good team, the Mets pitching has been able to hold the offense down enough. And look, the Mets have just had tremendous success against the Philadelphia Phillies the last few years. They have beaten them down. They have won a majority of those games. The Braves, on the other hand, it's not the same story. That has been much closer right around, you know, one team maybe winning one or two games, three games more than the other. So it really is something you have to see it. It goes year to year. Judging by history, the Phillies aren't a team to worry about, but the Braves certainly are. John, now I got to go to you. Got to talk about why you have the last place Yankees number four in your top 10 rankings as a Yankee fan. You know, I'm glad that there are people that, that believe in them out of the six people that send in rankings that you can find on outsidersports.net. The three Yankee fans did not have them in the top 10. Meanwhile, the three fans of other teams, meaning the Met fan and the two Philly fans, they had them in the rankings. So just tell me why you believe in my Yankees. Please give me some hope. Give me a lot of hope. I mean, I had the Yankees at four last week in my rankings too. And even though they're, you know, in the bottom of their division there, I think the AL East is just a stacked division right now. And I think, you know, even though they're, you know, at the bottom there, I think amongst all of like MLB as a whole, they're still a top 10 team, even if they've been on kind of a, 
you know, kind of a rough streak right here the past week or so. I think, you know, I think they're still there, but I don't know after two, after, you know, today's game with the Rangers and stuff, I don't, I think I might've would have had them a little lower, but I still would have had them in the top 10 because I think they're still good. I mean, they have, you know, Garrett Cole alone, I think almost earns them a spot in the top 10. It's, it's tough being a Yankee fan right now. I'm not going to lie. Yes, we have a winning record. Yankees are 15 and 14 to end the month of April. They are in last place in the AL East. Eight games behind the Tampa Bay Rays, who just don't lose. Plus, in the next two weeks, we'll have seven games against Tampa. Meaning that at the end of two weeks, when we reconvene in, a, in two episodes from now, the Yankees could theoretically and most likely be 15 games out of first place. It seems to me that there's no bright spot. There is no positives at the end of this rainbow here. There's nothing to look forward to. Yes, they're getting healthier. Yes, reinforcements are coming. But no, they're not coming in time to save the season. Judge is at the beginning of his injury issues. Stanton's out for at least six more weeks. We'll maybe see him in June if we're lucky. Bader, who knows? Uh, Lutrevino's on the 60-day IL. Luizaga, he's out and launched into outer space into who knows where. Severino's always hurt. It's just, it's not a good time right now. Nestor, nasty Nestor, more like not so good Nestor. His last few starts have been terrible. If you ask me, he's turned back into a pumpkin after a year and a half of being a top top tier pitcher in baseball. Just a lot of negatives facing Yankee land right now. And I know a lot of people like to relish in that, but you know, it's it's tough. It's I, I want to see them succeed, but the future looks bleak. And it's just it's not a fun time right now. I, I know it's only April. I get that. But you know, you can tell when a team isn't good. And right now, they're not good. Look, here's the thing with the New York Yankees. It's it, when you're a contending team, you can't say that a team is dead before Memorial Day. You just can't. Dead and buried. No, you can't. The team is not dead. Look at the Atlanta Braves. Look at the Philadelphia Phillies last year. Those are teams that were dreadful. I mean, I'm pretty sure the Phillies were eight games out of the division going into, uh, like, Memorial Day weekend, or it might have been even more by that point. I count the Phillies out early Yankees are Yankees exactly. are looking you can't out. count a team out by Memorial Day now it is really important though to look at the Yankees schedule going into Memorial Day because it is brutal they have two series against teams that are not playoff caliber teams in our opinion or caliber playoff teams currently that's Oakland at home and then at Cincinnati, where we saw John's Phillies lose two out of three in the month of May, they will play at home against Cleveland on the road against Tampa for three home against Oakland for three home against Tampa for four on the road in Toronto for four road for Cincinnati for three. Then they go home for Baltimore for three home for three against San Diego. And then on the road to the West coast where they play Seattle then into June against the Dodgers, and then a homestand against the White Sox and the Boston Red Sox before a two-game road trip 
across town to the New York Mets. That takes you to the middle of June. There are not many breaks there. You have the White Sox, you have the Reds, and you have the Oakland Athletics. Two of those series will be at home, one of them on the road. That is a very difficult schedule, and in reality, will define the Yankees' season. Um, But it's also important to note that once they do get healthy, the schedule should be lighter. I feel like I heard in your voice you kind of changed positions and realize how by mid-June, let's say, that this gauntlet. Well, no, I'm just saying that you can't declare them. You can't bury them until they have gone through that. Because who knows? Maybe these young guys get hot. Maybe Volpe has that coming out moment where he has a, a month under his belt and he's ready to, you know, step up and he gets the average up into the 300s. He starts hitting a couple out of the yard. He's stealing more bases. That's he's getting on base more. That's outside what I'm saying. But, the, outside the home runs, he's been the last week or two getting hot with the bat. The average is slowly rising. He's stealing bases. But, that's what, but I'm it. saying, like, what if that continues to climb? Like, you know, there are ways this team can still win baseball games. It's not like the sky is falling yet. You're still above 500. You've played 29 baseball games. You have so much baseball left to play. There are 133 baseball games left on the schedule. You cannot pronounce this team dead, especially when for more than 100 games of the season, you should have a majority of your roster healthy. Do not worry about this team. This The schedule will lighten up, but you cannot pronounce them dead before Memorial Day, especially when they have the expectations that they do, and Rodon is yet to step on the mound. I get that that's concerning, but once he does and he's able to show you what he can do, then that that's when you start to worry. You start to worry if Rodon doesn't have it once he actually steps on the mound. If he's not on the mound by July, then you start to worry. Right now is not the time to worry in April. But that's the thing. It goes beyond it just being April. This goes back to June of 2022, where the Yankees needed to play 500 baseball from June 1st to the end of the season to win 100 games. That's all they needed, and they fell short. They only won 99 games and struggled to do that. They haven't played better than 500 baseball in almost a year. It's been a bad stretch, one that's been just ongoing for a while now. But this will take us into our weekly series highlight, where I do want to talk about a team that the Yankees are trailing. Tampa Bay, they host the Pittsburgh Pirates. To me, this is a big series to look at in the early part of the week because this will be a show-us moment for the Pirates. Are you real? How do you face a really good team like the Tampa Bay Rays? How do you fare against them? This will be a moment where we decide whether the Pirates are up to the task to play with the big boys and maybe make a run to the postseason later on, or if this is just some April magic that kind of falters and falls out. What about you guys? What series do you guys think are something to note going into this week? I'm excited for the – Arizona Diamondbacks versus Texas Rangers series starting Tuesday. There are two teams that just missed my uh, top 10 rankings this week. And I think, you know, this series is kind of decide, you know, maybe which one gets to go in it next week. 
plus the Arizona, I'm also because the Arizona Dimebacks have a guy that just was almost my you know stud this week. Zach Gallon was 28 innings, like 28 scoreless innings pitch straight, and he's going up against you know a pretty good Rangers team. So I'm excited to see how that goes. Yeah, I would say I'm really looking forward to an AL Central matchup between the Cleveland Guardians and Minnesota Twins in Cleveland. It's a tone setter for this divisional race over there in the Central. Fewer games against uh, your divisional opponents, so they mean that much more. Really looking forward to this one. More important for Cleveland right now because Minnesota is the one sitting on top. Lots of good stuff. And just to give you our local teams, the Yankees, as Ben said, they host Cleveland. Then they travel to Tampa. The Mets, they go to Detroit, followed by hosting the Rockies. And, John, your Phillies go to the Dodgers for a set. Then they will come back and host Boston in a little Boston-Philly matchup like we're seeing in another sport in basketball. But that'll do it for us. Make sure you check out all the stuff we're doing outsidersports.net for some rankings and good articles take a listen to the hockey pod ben's talking it up it's playoff season lots of good stuff there plus we're still rocking with football doing some draft analysis takeaways from that i'm sure plus some other good stuff as off season rolls twitter outsidersports3 and the youtube and tiktok just search outsidersports will pop up but then again thanks for listening and we hope to Hear you guys tune in again.